And then there was the soft skills element to it, which was uh, mental fitness, uh, your own brand, understanding behavioral styles, leadership, these types of components too. So that's where we started the program and tried to run across all those disciplines. Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as Chief Executive and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us middle minds up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today we're talking with Rob Woolner, Managing Director of Vortex Industries Limited. No stranger to stirring the pot, he chats to us about his passion around alternative education pathways through vocational education and skill development. So Rob, we've got you back into stirring the pot and this time we're going to be talking about vocational education. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your interest in that area and I guess what is your kind of height, your side hustle in that space? Yeah, absolutely. It, it came about, I think, when I went through school, I, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go in the police force. That was, you know, I'd made my mind up and, and, and that was it. I didn't have to think too hard. So I, I went through my whole school and career um, with that in mind. My parents put some pressure on me. Look, you, you need to go to university. You need to tick that box. So I went and did a biology degree, which was a subject that I quite liked at school. I, w- I wasn't thinking about any career opportunity after that. It was more going to university, I'll do a subject that I like. Uh, I went into the police force and, and three years in decided that that career path wasn't necessarily the one for me. So my whole world sort of crumbled at that point and I thought, what do I do now? And, and that's when I luckily managed to get an opportunity uh, with Villa Maria and in an export side. And then I went into a sales career and then I joined Ortex and I've, I've had a, a great career after that. And I went and studied later on a few years ago and did my MBA and I realised that when I was learning whilst I was working, that really gave me the opportunity to understand the content a whole lot better and actually apply it back into the workforce. And then that got me thinking again, look, what? Uh, why doesn't this exist earlier on within that pathway? And so I, I did my thesis and my MBA around that, so starting to look at what are some alternative pathways into education that's not that traditional route through through university. And I sort of had another underlying piece where my son's dyslexic, so he struggled through school and I knew he'd never go to university. He's not that type of person. So started to look at uh, sort of that pathway into university a bit more and realised that there are some subgroups that aren't that well served by that traditional pathway. 100% see value in it and for certain careers and certain people, it's a wonderful pathway, but there's this whole talent pool that seems to be somewhat not ignored. I know it's getting a lot of <clears throat> attention now, but um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, but for me, I, I started to think, look, what what's a meaningful pathway for these people into business? And so following that, following my thesis, I sort of wanted to roll something out and keep exploring it further and, and really started to look at um, the framework around what a pathway could be. And that's sort of where I landed. How can, how can we assist people Initially, it was early on, school leavers. How do we assist school leavers into the workforce to learn business, to learn while they're earning? That's where we started. As we've gone, we've, we've pivoted and we've moved and we've learned. And we've realised that actually it's not just young people. And we've actually had some great candidates through the course that are in their 50s that have been working within the same 
uh, career pathway for 10 years and want to change and want to take on some some business learning and again apply it, apply it back into the business. So that's where it started. That's sort of the journey to get there, I guess. And again, the model's still pivoting and, and still changing, but it seems to really resonate with businesses that are sort of saying, we've got some great people that haven't necessarily gone to university, but what do we what do we do with these people? How do we grow these people? We don't have the framework within our business to do that. How can we tap into a framework to really grow some superstars within our business and take them to that next level? Mm. So it's kind of like, is it like a um, vocational education MBA? That's certainly where it, <clears throat> that's where it started. And it was that sort of fundamentals of business. What is it around business that everyone should know? And so we had a hard skills component to it, which was sales and marketing, finance, those bits and pieces. And then there was the soft skills element to it, which was uh, mental fitness, uh, your own brand, understanding behavioral styles leadership these types of components too so that's where we started the program and tried to run across all those disciplines what we found out quite quickly is that soft skills piece resonated so heavily with people that was the piece that people really grabbed hold of and really saw value in and some of those hard skills were quite difficult to sort of box up into a package that could apply to everyone because everyone had different different experience and skill set but that soft skills piece seemed to resonate right across the board so that's really where we've focused now how do we help deliver in a, in a bite-sized framework a bunch of soft skills that can uh, help people understand each other better, help productivity, um, build confidence within themselves, become resilient, all those things that you want from your people within a business. How can we teach that and just start that pathway of learning for those that are already working? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because... I mean, all of those things that you just mentioned are really like life skills that you don't end up getting when you do a degree. Um, you know, when you're doing your Bachelor of Science, you're not going to learn anything about those aspects of things. Um, yeah, so th in terms of the research that you did, what tell us a bit more about that and what the findings were. It showed that in other countries they were much further ahead than us, I think. So there's the Swiss, for example, um, they sort of determine early on if someone's got an interest in more hands-on trade side of things, they sort of push them in that direction early on. And those that are more typ typically suited to university, they push them down that route. Um, the UK are quite far along in terms of degree apprenticeships, which had been trialled here. Uh, I can't remember if it was Massey or Auckland University. There was a thesis study done around engineering, actually. Um, engineering students doing a degree whilst working as well and trying to couple that together. And that proved really successful. So... I think it showed it showed that there were pathways established elsewhere, and that's a, a viable um, a viable pathway to follow. We also spoke to a whole bunch of businesses, and it really was that soft skills piece kept coming up. So they'd say you can go to university, like you say, and learn a bunch of theory, but you enter the workforce and people can't. They have to learn how to write an email. They have to they have to go from hanging out with friends and everyone their own age to then work within an environment where you've got multiple different people. Um, and there's a whole lot of challenges that wrap up in there. So they said, look, we spend the first year teaching people how to how to operate in the world of work, you know. And and so again, that soft skills piece kept coming forward in terms of, like you say, it's it's not typically taught within that university um, framework, but it seems to be such an important piece mm. to help people be successful within their career and progress. Mm. Yeah, I know at least. Um, within engineering, there is much more of a focus on the soft skills now, which, yeah, the soft skills and hard skills is probably 
wrong terminology because usually the hard skills are easy and the soft skills are hard. Um, yeah, I remember when I came out with my bachelor's degree and my first job was working in Aussie industry um, in Sydney and I had no idea about like what are you supposed to do. I didn't know how you were supposed to interact with your manager. I remember I like sat out the front of her office and I emailed her and she was like, why don't you just come into my room? And I was like, I didn't even know I could do that. Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> um, yeah, so you just come out and you're so skilled maybe, you know, with presentation skills, but like work, how does how do things operate in the real world in terms of day-to-day interactions with people and, you know, the basics of a hierarchy and how do you navigate that was really a complete mystery to me when I first started in the in you know working um in terms of vocational education it gets such a bad rap and I do remember a presentation that um Warwick Quinn gave um who now um who was working at BCITO at that point in time and then went to Tipukenga but he gave this really great presentation which was about um how globally vocational education is viewed and how um, if uh, in countries where there were guilds originally um, versus the countries where there there wasn't, it's um, perceived differently. So, for example, in countries like Germany um, or probably, as you mentioned, other countries in Europe, um, typically that um, vocational pathway isn't seen as like a lower pathway whereas typically here and, and certainly in Australia it has been seen as you know you, you want to push your child to go to university and if they're not suitable to university then you would push them through vocational education um, rather than potentially the other way around well, what do you think what do you think is underlying that here for uh, New Zealand and how do we get around that? I think times are changing and I know even back when I left school and my parents saying you need to get a degree you know you need you need to tick that box because I think everyone was saying it, it proves that you can apply yourself to something and all of these things which in reality I think for me personally aren't necessarily so true so I know the tech sector really led that led, led in that space where they said um, we don't value credentials so much. You know, it's all around attitude, not aptitude. All the, all these things um, that sort of led the way for it's not all about the degree. You know, it's not all about that CV that says I've done this certificate and that certificate. And I guess with AI now, um, it's going to change again, that, that degree component. I know there's a lot in the media. But it's, it's sort of moving away from that and saying, look, if you've got the right attitude, if you've got the ability to learn, the want to learn, if you can get on with people, you know, you've got a really great future within us and within our business. So I know Ortex for us, um, we look at it in that way. You know, we, we find great people, people that have huge ability and, and want to be there and want to grow and want to learn. Those types of people are so valuable to us, not so much where they've gone to school or, or what degree they've got. Mm. Can you give us some examples where, um, I guess going through a vocational pathway has led to some really great um, work opportunities for people? Well, I think the different thinkers that don't necessarily suit the traditional pathways, I think there's so many examples of those that have done well in business. And 
dyslexics are a great a great one for that. Um, the mad butcher. There's there's multiple examples of those that are quite vocal around the challenges they've had through school, but yet gone on to create these wonderful businesses. So I think there's so many examples of those. I think in New Zealand, especially that apprenticeship side of things in the trades is valued, I believe, and it's it's quite a tried and true pathway. And a lot of, even a lot of people that go through that pathway, they end up running their own business, but again, haven't necessarily learned business along the way either. So I think it's a proven pathway, but how do we keep adding to that and how do we keep bringing that, I guess, setting examples, you know, in schools as well, how, how do we make them attractive? For people leaving school and there's some great work being done on that trade side but again that's why we push this business apprenticeship thing you know that apprenticeship piece is such a strong piece how do we um, how do we show those leaving school or those early on in the workforce or those that are wanting to change within the workforce how do we show them a pathway to be able to do that i think a lot of people sit there and don't really know how and there's a lot of courses out there and there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can sign up to and pay a lot of money for but how do people pick the right ones and how do they you know where's that guidance I guess that you get um, even within schools but then leaving school and through your career mm. yeah I think we we ha- we struggle um, for example um, there's a global shortage of welding um, graduates and it's such an amazing career in terms of the opportunities it presents you can work in almost any industry you can work around the world you can progress to being welding supervisor and have amazing kind of management careers as well. And yet, yeah, so I don't understand why on the one hand people would be um, going into marine biology as an example, which is what I studied, which um, everyone wants to study but at the end there's hardly any jobs versus welding, which... Um, you know, hardly anyone wants to study and yet there are such amazing career opportunities. And, I, yeah, I think that a lot of that is still what is happening around, um, yeah, parents and family influences to push their children towards, um, yeah, push them towards um, vocational education, uh, university over vocational education. Um, we had... And, and I'll give you an example of kind of, I guess, where the subconscious bias is. We had um, some training here for some welding training here. So obviously that's on the vocational education side at Hira. <clears throat> and um, there was a um, woman doing the course. And so I was quite interested to see, you know, what her story was. And she'd actually dropped out of doing um, medicine at university. And my initial response was, oh, Why? Like, why did you drop that? Um, so that was, you know, just showing my own inherent bias that I was like, well, why would someone who's doing medicine at university drop out and do welding? And I, of all people, should be an advocate for vocational education and um, welding. And yet there is still that subconscious bias that exists, kind of like in terms of gender bias. Um, yeah, I, how do you think we can... Um, yeah, get people to see the advantages um, and change their perceptions around vocational education pathways? I think it's a visibility piece too. I mean, I'm only speaking to my son who left school and he's joined a building firm, but he's actually specialising in the moving 
of houses. They built modular houses. So again, he's he realised he didn't really want to be a builder as such, but just entering that world of work quite quickly, seeing all those pathways open up, that piece is certainly there. So how do how do you get that piece in front of those that are making decisions mm. at that at that stage? I think and this, I think there's some power around sort of earning early on. Mm. You know, when you're young and you're earning the opportunity that you have to use that um, to use that to invest early, and you hear great stories of people that have bought houses early on because they've been working and etc. So I think there's a real value piece to sort of stay, look at it beyond just education because you can tap into education at any point really, and, and you hear great stories again of people going back and studying and then taking a different career path later on in life. So there's so much stacked on when you leave school you got to make a decision that's going to influence your life right now. And, you, and you've never worked, some people. You don't know what it's like to work. You just don't have the, the knowledge and the experience to make those big decisions. So I feel it's almost a, it almost provides a gap for some people going into work. No matter sort of what work it is, it starts that pathway and then it gives them time to realise what am I interested in. And, and even that with our business apprenticeship, you know, we sort of say, Within this, it might open up some different areas of business that you haven't seen before, and they may become an interest for you that you can go and study and do more on and, and create a pathway in that in that place. So, I think it's it's real it's real visibility. I think, and mm. I know the trade collective are doing a, a a great job out in schools trying to sort of advocate for those apprenticeships. So, I guess it's agencies like that that are getting in front of the right people to show them what's on offer um, and really push it. Mm. I think one of the areas that I'm I'm really interested in is matching people's values with um, career pathways. So especially for STEM in our in you know here as um, focus areas. So yeah, I think that it would be great to do a mapping exercise, and this is one of the projects we are working on around. Okay, if these are your values, um, whatever they might be, it might be helping people, saving the environment. Um, earning lots of money, how do they map to careers that are going to enable you to live your values? And I think it would be really great if those conversations happened where the vocational pathways were also considered Um, because a lot of those conversations, you know, usually if someone says that they're interested in helping people, then they're quite often directed towards nursing or um yeah, going into medicine somehow, um, psychology, those types of things, and what what else could you do? Like if that's your passion, what else could you do? What are the other pathways to achieve that outcome? And then that would be really great because I think, as you said, there's a lot of practical aspects to vocational pathways that you don't get from a university degree. Um, so, you know, I am often very jealous of people who, can do their own plumbing or whatever it is. Whereas, like, what can I do? I can identify the age of a fish if you let me look at its ear bone. Um, so, you know, the the thing, the, yeah, thinking about, you know, what else can you do? Like, how is that going to impact on your life as, as a person, not just as a professional? Um, and that, that I think, actually would direct more people towards considering vocational pathways because you can actually use those skills more often, I think, in life than you can when you're just doing a degree. 
Yeah, I think so. And we, I sort of identified three subgroups that that didn't really fit generally that university pathway and, and Māori and Pacifica were one. And again, that values piece is a huge part of that, you know, the, um, within the family, the responsibilities that exist there, you know, pathways that they've seen before them. You know, there's a whole lot of things within that space that um, that make that a subgroup that doesn't quite, typically is underrepresented in that university space. And then, um, as I mentioned, dyslexic and learning, uh, those with learning challenges, again, they, I think vocational for them is so great because it's hands-on and you're learning by doing and, and it, mm. it's not just a traditional read a book, take a test type approach. You know, there's multiple different ways of learning when you're on the job, hands-on and doing that. And that other group was just those that didn't really know what they wanted to do. Mm. So again, going into the workforce, whatever it might be, you know, it's a great pathway to, to take some time and, and see what appeals to you as a person, your interests, your values. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point too around Māori because I don't think that um, a TL Māori perspective on learning has been applied as well in tertiary education through universities as it has through vocational education. Um, and I, I actually think there's a lot that we could learn from that approach. Um, so, for example... Uh, when I did um, a certificate in Rongoa Māori at Te Wananga or Aotearoa, the learning process was so um, intimidating to me because, you know, it involved singing waiata, it involved karakia and takutaku, um, it involved looking um, more deeply into things like um, ngātua and Māori kite Māori and the, it was so intimidating to me because I had never experienced anything like that and yet I believe that I learned more easily through that process than I did by sitting down reading my textbooks um, and so I think that also in terms of the educational pedagogy um, and the actual processes of learning there's a, a lot more where I think there could be a bit more transfer of approach between the two um, macro pathways of universities and um, vocational education. That, I think that's a really big missed opportunity. Um, hopefully the universities are realising that now. Um, but, yeah, that it, it, it is unfortunate because it's almost as though it's not really – topic or subject or vocation that's driving the two different pathways to separate its learning styles that seems to be a big driver um and that yeah it's almost as though we're yeah segregating our children's futures based on their learning styles as to what kind of career opportunities are available to them and i just wonder whether that's the right approach. Um, do you have any kind of like big picture perspectives like that on um, where education is going, where it should go? What are the missed opportunities? Look, again, I'm, I'm my experience, I guess uh, my opinions, I guess, are, are just based on, on 
theories I've looked at and the experiences I've had with, with my own children, you know, one who's dyslexic. So again, there's some wonderful parents out there that are so, uh, that advocate for their children, you know, and it's not a pleasant experience to go through when your child's going through school, not enjoying it, not being able to learn like everyone else learns, right? Mm. There's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of baggage that comes through with that in terms of self-esteem and, and it almost caps sometimes their perception of what's possible for them too. So, yeah. um, there's certainly those that experience that are very passionate about it and are doing some wonderful work in that space. And there's some great programs coming out that we've seen and used. Um, some of those that have come at, you know, school principals that have, that have really seen that and really, um, started to bring forward some great programs that address that. Um, so I think it's, it's happening, but it's such a, it's such a, there's so much history there and I guess it's such a well-established system and so it's really that appetite for change and and hopefully there's some disruptors that can come in and really grab that and and provide different ways of doing things and that's really where it's really the journey that we've gone on is really asking some of those questions you know is there another way that we can do this that appeals to some people that aren't necessarily reaching their potential because of the system that exists for them doesn't quite work so we're only a, a tiny little piece and in that puzzle, but it's just more and more of these opportunities for people to provide different learning, I think, and, and cater for those people, I think is great. And hopefully over time that, that does change. Vocational education is often perceived as less desirable than university education, but this reputation is not deserved. It in fact makes a huge contribution to modern economies and labour markets and offers fantastic career opportunities. Food for thought till we see you next time. So hit subscribe and if you liked what you heard today, please like, review or share with any mental minds you know. Let's spread the word. Hero is proud to offer a range of training and knowledge transfer opportunities for those currently within our workforce. If you're keen to know more about the training we currently have available, you'll find links in the show notes.